Thank you, Nadine, for that stirring offertory. And uh, thank you all for coming back tonight on this holiday weekend. Tonight we continue our study in the book of Malachi, a book that follows a Socratic way of instruction long before Socrates. Uh, So uh, a good uh, question and answer. Uh, Approach the Word of God as we work through uh, the, the book. You will find, as I pointed out last week, there are a number of these questions and answers that arise. Today we learn important lessons about honoring the Lord. The theme of this particular section is if we are to give respect to those who are earthly fathers, and if we are to give faithful service to those who are earthly masters, how much more then should we give honor to our Heavenly Father and faithful service to our Lord and Master Jesus Christ? Key verses are Malachi 1, 6, and 14. As you try to outline this book, Uh, Some of the pericopes are quite straightforward. Others a little more difficult to discern. Uh, This is set off, if you would, by uh, bookends uh, so that we can see where the particular uh, argument begins and ends. If you notice in Malachi 1.6, it states, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? If I'm a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts? O priests who despise my name, but you say, how have we despised your name? Then Malachi 1.14, cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. So the section begins with the despising of God's name. It concludes with God saying that his name will be feared and honored among the nations. So I begin tonight by looking, first of all, background to the charge. The priests were charged with violating their duty to God, whom they acknowledge as a father and master, by withholding their respect and loving service. So the charge comes in verse 6. A son honors his father, a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts. The charge specifically is that the priests are charged with bringing dishonor to God's name. A son honors his father, a servant his master, If then I am a father, where is my honor? If I'm a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts? O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? So the priests are charged with belittling 
God's name. The name stands for God's person, character, and reputation. To despise, in this context, does not mean to hate. It means to treat something as insignificant or unimportant, common, trivial. They have not given the proper respect to God's name. God is very concerned with having a good name. God acts in order to maintain a good name. Psalm 23.3, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Now notice this, for his namesake. God promises, God keeps his promises, God keeps his word to honor his name, to guard his reputation, so that he will be worthy of the respect that is to be ascribed to him. So God is very jealous, it tells us in the word of God, for his name. Uh, he is concerned with how he is viewed. Having a good name is very desirable. We should be concerned about our name, our reputation, how we are viewed by others. Proverbs 22.1 states, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. Ecclesiastes 7.1, a good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of birth. Now that might seem a bit odd, that last statement, the day of death, better than the day of birth. But what it has in view here is reputation. What's in view is one's name or honor. And uh, we all know that people are born and are living the initial years of their life with a great deal of potential. Uh, one person has said one of the worst things in life is to be voted the most likely to succeed. Uh, a lot of times people have potential but don't reach that potential, uh, don't fulfill that potential. Well, not only do we have occasions where we don't meet our potential. There are other occasions where we start well, but don't finish well. Uh, Solomon is an example of a person who starts well and desiring wisdom of God, that he might be the ruler that God would have him to be, but his end of his life does not end well. So in this instance, when reputation matters above everything else, better is the day of your death Better when you have completed your life and at the end of that life, you have been found to be faithful. Uh, at the end, you have guarded your reputation. At the end, you can be well thought of. And the things that are said flattering at a funeral service are true and valid and real. So better is the day of one's death rather than the day of one's birth. For at the day of your death, your reputation has been settled. It is sealed. Uh, the work has been done. At the forefront of our prayers should be a desire to see God's name honored. Of course, as you think of the Lord's Prayer, 
It begins with, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Sacred, set aside, honored, consecrated be your name. So the very first petition in the Lord's Prayer is for God's name to be honored. That's how important it is to God, and that is the priority that it should have in our own lives. We ought to be concerned for the honor and glory of God. So the charge is you have trivialized my name. You have despised my name. You have brought dishonor to my name. The pleading of innocence. The priests are amazed at such an allegation and can't imagine how they may have failed to give proper respect and honor to God's name. That was often the case with Israel when God would set a prophet against them to point out their sin, they would reject what the prophet had to say. They would reject the spiritual assessment. They would say, that's not true of me. Uh, how have we despised your name? Malachi 1.6. That's unthinkable. We have not despised your name. So now we have an unfolding of the ways in which the priests have despised the name of God. A, in the priest's defense, they would never have used God's name in vain. In fact, the priests would not even say the name of God in reading the scriptures. You've heard me say that often. But uh, when uh, <clears throat> the, the Jewish people, uh, because they were so concerned about taking God's name in vain, they said, well, if we never use God's name, we can't take it in vain. And so uh, they would not even read the name Jehovah uh, or Yahweh. That's why today we don't even know that what is the proper uh, pronunciation uh, for the name of God because it's been lost for so many generations. It wasn't spoken. Uh, they would not say Jehovah. They would not say Yahweh. When they would read the scriptures, they would uh, substitute Adonai. And Adonai is the word for Lord. But they thought that if they don't say God's name, they can't dishonor God's name. But here we see, in fact, they did. So how did they do it? Number four, the case is set forth. Specific allegations under this charge are made. A detailed account is given of how the priests have failed to honor God's name and serve God as they should. First, through indifference, the priests offer unacceptable sacrifices to the Lord. So how have they offered, how have they despised God's name? Malachi 1.7, by offering polluted food upon my altar. By offering polluted food upon my altar. But we say, how have you polluted you? Answer, by saying that the Lord's table may be despised. The priests were offering unacceptable animals to the Lord. Verse 8, when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is this not evil? And when you offer those that are lame and sick, is that not evil? God had made it clear that the sacrifices were to be without spot or blemish. The sacrifices were to be foreshadowing of the ultimate sacrifice, which was Jesus Christ, that was without sin. 
And so there was to be no physical defect in any of the sacrifices that were brought to be offered to the Lord. Deuteronomy 15, 19 through 21. All the firstborn males that are born of your herd and flock, you shall dedicate to the Lord your God. You shall no, do no work with the firstborn of your herd, nor shear the firstborn of your flock. You shall eat it, you and your household, before the Lord your God, year by year, at the place that the Lord will choose. But if it has any blemish, if it is lame or blind, or has any serious blemish whatever, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. Well, they trivialized the word of God by disobeying it, by disregarding it, by disrespecting it. God said, don't do this. Well, that's precisely what they did. And they offered this in the name of the Lord. But it was an unacceptable sacrifice. In these offerings, these unacceptable sacrifices, they were actually committing sacrilege. That is, they were actually... Sacrilege is the misuse of that which is to be sacred. Uh, it's an abomination. It is morally abhorrent or evil. Notice what Malachi 1.8 states. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is this not evil? When you offer those that are lame or sick, is this not evil? Um, it is one thing to say that something isn't appropriate. Or to say that, that something isn't acceptable. But evil? Evil? Is that really wicked? Is that really morally incomprehensible? That they would offer sacrifices that had a blemish? Is that really all that bad? You see, God's name is belittled, God's name is despised, God's name is trivialized when we take that which is to be the most sacred and say, well, does it really make that much difference? Is it really a big deal to offer these sacrifices that have blemish? At least we're offering a sacrifice. God says that is evil. Evil. Uh, my, how that should make us start to think about false worship in our day and the way in which people trivialize doctrinal issues and, and so many other things and say, well, does that really matter? Is that really of any consequence or significance? Oh, maybe people don't get it right, but at least they're worshiping, at least they're going to church. Well, that was the attitude. Moving on, the case is set forth. Oh, I've already read that. We've got to turn the page. Okay, page four. By offering inferior sacrifices, the priests demonstrated a higher regard for their earthly rulers than they did for the heavenly ruler. Malachi 1.8, when, when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? You wouldn't even bring this mangy animal and offer it to the governor for him to feast on. 
You wouldn't even treat a governor that way. You would present him with something that is valuable, that is of worth. If you aren't going to treat your earthly governor that way, why would you treat the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that way? So the reason they offered an inferior animal was due to a lack of respect for God. They did not view him as being worthy of a more costly gift. There was a better use for a healthy animal in sacrifice. Why would they waste the best of their herd on a sacrifice when there's this mangy animal over here and we can offer that? Can't use it for anything else. Might as well sacrifice it. When people view the inferior to be more than good enough in their worship and service of God, they dishonor him. When we take the attitude that we give the best to something else and God ought to just be thankful we're giving him something at all, uh, we should recognize the way in which we are dishonoring God in our attitudes of saying, well, anything is good enough for the Lord. Principle, when people despise the worship of God, they in fact despise God himself. C, rather than, than forbid the false worship to continue, the priests encouraged it by giving the people the impression that God was pleased with their imperfect worship. Number one, the priests, at the same time they were dishonoring God, were offering prayers, seeking God's kindness towards God's people. Verse 9, and now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you? So they're offering this sacrifice saying, God, we come before you as a people, honoring and glorifying you, seeking your favor, seeking your blessing, uh, seeking your goodness to be poured out upon us in keeping with Exodus 20, verse 24. An altar of earth you shall make for me, and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen, and every place where I cause, now note this, my name to be remembered. My name to be remembered. That is that my name is honored. My name is glorified. This coming Sunday, we're going to be partaking of the Lord's table. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth the Lord's death till he comes. This do in remembrance of me, in honor of me, in reflection of me. So they're coming to call upon God, to honor God, and seek his favor. And God says, now you're going to seek my favor by honoring me with this garbage? Is this what I have told you to do? Is this the sacrifice that I have required of you? Number two, it would have been far better for the priest to have closed the doors to the temple rather than to allow this corrupted worship to go forward. That's how serious this is. Verse 10, oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. Only if there was one of you that had enough guts, had enough courage 
to lock the doors and told people to stay away. If that's what you're going to offer, don't bother. If that's how you're going to approach the worship of God, stay home. That is a message we need to hear today. For we get the impression that as long as somebody's going to church, that's a good thing. No matter where they go, no matter what that church believes, at least they're going somewhere. At least they're offering up prayers. At least they're taking time out of their busy schedule and using some of it to glorify God. How often have you heard, better those doors were closed? Better those people stay home. If you're not going to worship God in spirit and truth, if you're not going to worship God coming to him through the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that is unacceptable, and that is actually dishonoring to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you don't believe that, it is impossible to honor him in worship. And God is concerned with being honored in worship. But you can see what an uphill battle the, priests, the, uh, the prophets had. You see how hard it is to take on the religious establishment. You can see how everyone is up in arms with Malachi. How can you say that? Well, say it he did. But the priests are arguing all the way. How can you say we have despised your name? Number three, both the offering and the priest were unacceptable to God. Verse 10. Uh, the second half of the verse, you see it underlined, I have no pleasure in you, says Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. Okay. Notice it says, I have no pleasure in you. Not just that I have no pleasure in the offering, he says to the priest, I have no pleasure in you. I don't delight in you. I don't appreciate your ministry. I don't accept this sacrifice. To say that God is not pleased is an understatement. And we could look at parallel passage after parallel passage in the prophets of how God says such worship is unacceptable, displeasing to him and uh, better not done. Principle. When we feel as though God ought to be pleased simply because we take the time out of our busy schedules to worship God, God is dishonored. We should not pervert true worship of God to accommodate people and their desire for corrupt worship. Um, worship should be in keeping with what the word of God prescribes whether people like it or not, whether people are comfortable with it or not, whether people are offended by it or not. It's not about the people, it's about God. And it's about giving God what is due him. For we're to love him with our heart and our soul and our mind. D, gets worse. God is dishonored when worship and service of him is seen as a great burden rather than a glorious privilege. 
Malachi 1.13, but you say, what a weariness this is. And you snort at it, says Lord of hosts. What a weariness this is. What a, what a burden. <laughs> Man, I got to offer these sacrifices again. Well, it was work uh, to slay these animals, to drain the blood, uh, to go through the entire process. It was hot, sweaty work, but it was also a privilege. It was an honor to be able to serve God in that way. But you say what a weariness is. Principle, when, we're, when service to God is viewed as a chore rather than a privilege, God is dishonored. We are not giving him the respect. When, when we say, man, I am so tired. But, you know, I'm going to do God a favor and I'm going to come out Sunday night and I'm even going to be here on Memorial Day weekend. And I sure hope God appreciates the sacrifice I'm making. He's dishonored. We ought to view it as a privilege. We ought to view it as a joy. We ought to view it as a delight. What a wonderful opportunity is given to us. What a day and age that we live in, that we're, we're able to gather again tonight to hear the word of God, to be able to pray, to be able to have his spirit minister to us. As we teach Sunday school, as we mow lawn, as we work in the kitchen, as we mentor the young people, and on and on, as we render our service before God. Do we see it as a joy, a delight, a privilege, an honor, and say, Lord, thank you again that I was able to serve you today? Or do I say, man, I gotta teach Sunday school again? And I got so much going on this week. And when am I ever going to get opportunity to prepare? I, I wish I didn't have to do this anymore. I wish I could be relieved of this burden. That's dishonoring to God. Worship doesn't really take place at that point. And we're on a downward slope. Uh, Malachi is one of the most uh, convicting and relevant books in the scriptures. Uh, Psalm 122, verse 1, a song of ascents of David. Uh, the, the Psalms of ascent are psalms that were sung as a pilgrimage was being made to Jerusalem for the sacrifices. Uh, there would be annual pilgrimages that would take place on feast days in which the peoples of, of Israel would travel from the farthest most borders of Israel to Jerusalem to offer their sacrifices. And as they traveled, they often traveled in caravans, even as in the time of Jesus. If you remember when they're traveling home from one of those festivals, he's still back in the, the temple, and his parents don't realize it for a couple of days. They just figure he's with somebody else. And eventually they find out he's not there and have to go back to the temple. Well, these caravans would go, and one of the things they would do is sing. And as they were pilgrimaging to Jerusalem, Psalm 122, verse 1, would be sung. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. They're traveling to the temple. 
And as they're traveling, they're singing. I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. It thrilled us. We were delighted. They were looking forward to this journey to be able to go to the temple and to worship God. What a contrast to what a weariness this is. Psalm 84, verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. One day in your court is better than a thousand days spent somewhere else. How do you like that for a perspective? Okay. If you're given the choice to spend a thousand days wherever you wanted or to spend one day in God's house, which would you choose? The one day in God's house or a thousand days someplace else? What a priority it should be. What, what a delight it should be. What a joy it should be that we look forward to coming to church. Uh, I ask you, you know, honestly, in your own heart, as you thought about church tonight, were you looking forward to it? Or were you grudgingly saying, well, I guess I ought to go to church tonight. I'm here. <laughs> I'm in the area. I'm not on vacation. I guess, I guess I ought to go. Hey, I'm not perfect. I understand. I, I understand the issues. But you see, that's a part of revitalization. That's a part of the hungering and thirsting after righteousness. That's a part of saying, you know, Lord, that really is me at times. And I ask you to give me a, a, a joy and a delight and a longing to be in your presence, to be in your house, to be worshiping you. And Lord, I am grateful that I have these responsibilities and duties in the life of the church. Thank you for the honor that you have bestowed upon me to do these things. E, the priests had allowed men to be deceitful in their worship of God by failing to hold them accountable to their vows. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says Lord of hosts. And then this, you bring what has been taken by violence, or is lame or sick. You bring to me what you've stolen. <laughs> Imagine that. How pleased is God with a stolen sacrifice? Uh, now, now there is real uh, sacrifice on the part of the individual. Uh, not only are they not willing to give the mangy and, and uh, lame of their own flock, but I'll go grab one for my neighbor. Uh, and I'll bring that. And the priests were offering that. And, you, and this you bring as your offering? <laughs> Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? That's almost comical. Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. This, this goes a, a step for, for, further. Uh, this is uh, a person who is hypocritical. Uh, it, it's, it's the same sin of, as Ananias and Sapphira. Remember in the New Testament when people were donating uh, 
all of their property and uh, the proceeds of selling it uh, to the disciples. And Ananias and Sapphira, uh, they decided to offer, give a portion of what they had uh, uh, what they had received from selling their property. They gave a portion of it, but they were deceitful. They said they gave the whole thing when they only gave a part of it. Well, um, the apostles called them upon it, and uh, they were struck down dead by the Spirit of God for their lying, for their, for their hypocrisy. Peter says, when it was under your own control, wasn't it yours to do with what you wanted? Nobody said you had to give everything. But the problem was that they pretended that they were giving everything. Uh, so many times, it's the way in which we present our service, the way in which we present ourselves, that we like to project an image of being more committed than what we really are. We want people to think of us as being committed. We want people to think of us as being righteous. We want people to think of us as being dedicated. We want people to think of us as godly. And it's more about that than really being committed or really being godly or really loving the Lord. It's about how I'm going to be viewed how others are going to think about me. All the time knowing that God knows our hearts. And God is fully aware of our thoughts and our hearts and our attitudes. We're not pulling the wool over his eyes. But they have despised his name because they're not concerned about what God thinks. They're concerned about what the people think. And as long as they can get away, as long as the priests accept what they're doing, as long as the priests are blessing them, they're more than happy to project this image. And God says to the priests, you know better. You know what's going on. And you don't call people on it. And you offer these sacrifices. Principle. It is not making the... It's not the making of a vow, but the keeping of a vow that brings honor and glory to God. Better not to have made a vow than to make a vow and not keep it. Worship of God must be more than simple words, empty words. Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord said, Because this people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is commandment taught by men. There is such a danger of honoring God with our lips. It is so easy to sing hymns of commitment, to sing choruses of praise, to speak of the lordship, the kingship, the honor that we want to bring to God. It is so easy to speak these things and so hard to live them. To really honor him as king, to really make him first place, to really Seek to not only know what the Bible says, but to actually do it. Not to be hearers, but, but doers only. So this is God's assessment, spiritually, of Israel. Conclusion, 
God will bring glory to his name. Verse 14. Cursed be the cheat who has made a male his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifice the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts. So it goes back to that aspect of the governor. Are you going to give to this earthly governor this wretched gift? I'm a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. My name is going to be honored among the nations, among the heathen, among those that the Israelites would have looked down their nose upon, that they would have viewed themselves as being superior to. Wretched, pagan, unbelievers. God says, I will honor my name through them. And of course, we have the whole New Testament. And we have Jesus coming. And of course, nations, multitudes, turning unto God. And many of the Israelites rejecting Jesus. And yelling out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And the priests in Jesus' day. And, and we you know, almost wonder, how could those priests in Jesus' day be so hard-hearted and, and the accusations that God brings against them? Remember, this is the last book of the Old Testament. This is the last voice before Jesus comes. This is the last prophet before John the Baptist arises on the scene. This is the end of the Old Testament. This is the final word to Israel. Hearken. Hearken. Um, B. We must be careful in our worship that we not treat worship as insignificant. Uh, To keep before us the importance of right worship, right doctrine, truth. True worship is worth-ship. That's where the word comes from. It's an old English word. It is to view God as worthy of all that we are and have. Uh, he's worthy of our time. He's worthy of our monies. Uh, so often, we think to ourselves, there's a better use of this money. There's a better use of our time. There are things that are more important, more valuable. That is despising his name. That's belittling. That's bringing God down from his throne. That's saying there are things, there are purposes that are greater than God. I will make this a priority. When in the scriptures it's the priority. True worship is not seen as a mere duty, but rather as a privilege and a delight. I hope you did not come here tonight thinking you had to come. I hope you came tonight thinking, I want to come. I want to be here. I want to use this time to to learn, to reflect, to give praise to God, sing his praises, walk with him. 
In true worship, we would rather be worshiping God than doing anything else. Rather worshiping God than doing anything else. Does your mind wander where you could be, the party you could be going to, the activity you're missing? One day in your court is worth a thousand elsewhere. In true worship, there is no better use of our money than in giving to the Lord. We, the book will get into tithes and offerings, so I'm not going to get it in there, in there tonight. The, Malachi does. It's a matter of perspective. It, it's, it's a matter of, again, priority. The issue is trivializing God Trivializing his name. Treating God as insignificant. Treating worship as insignificant. It doesn't really matter. It's not all that important. We certainly see today that God's word is seen as not all that important. Why argue over doctrine? Why be precise in our study of the scriptures? Why not just accept every view Why not just accept every style of worship? Why not just accept and be glad that people are worshiping God in some form, in some manner, but at least they're worshiping? God says, better the doors to be closed. A unique perspective to be sure. The value of worship. Let's pray. Our Father, help us to worship you, not just in word, but in deed. Uh, Lord, help us to have hearts that reflect what we say, what we sing. Lord, it's so easy to talk about commitments and so difficult to follow through. It is so easy to speak about priorities when there are things of greater value and significance and worth to us. Uh, Lord, at least help us to honestly look at ourselves, for that's where true change begins. Uh, As the priests balked and said, oh, we don't do that. We don't despise your name. Lord, help us at least to be introspective. Help us to be honest with ourselves. And uh, Lord, if we really have gotten to the place where we've grown cold, we've grown apathetic. Not that we don't come, but, but it's a drudgery. It's, it's a hardship. It's, it's a duty. And we're tired. And we wish that we didn't have to fulfill many of the responsibilities that we do. And, oh, just, just to be relieved of them. What, what, a, what a pleasure that would be. What How refreshing that would be. Oh God, give us a sense of joy, a privilege, of delight, of realizing what a unique opportunity is ours to serve the risen and true Christ. Lord, give us a real love for you. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Blessings.